Good morning and welcome to today's episode of Running the Race, where we're helping you to run well and finish strong in the race of faith. My name is Michael and I am your host as each week and thank you for taking the time to join us. Our conversation guest today is going to be Coach Chad Simmons. Coach Simmons is the head football coach at Veterans High School in Kathleen, Georgia, right there in the middle of the state of Georgia. You know, FCA is so grateful for all of our coaches and the opportunities that we have to serve our coaches is absolutely incredible. I would love to connect you to serve as a volunteer through FCA. So go online to volushaflaglerfca.org and scroll around and send me a message and let's connect and talk about you serving our coaches. But before we talk with Coach Simmons, I want to share a message of hope with you from Psalm chapter 119, verses 33 and 34. Listen to what the psalmist David writes. He says, teach me, Lord, the meaning of your statutes and I will always keep them. Help me understand your instruction and I will obey it and follow it with all my heart. Psalm 119, the longest chapter in all of the scriptures, David is extolling his dependency upon God through God's truth and the elevated understanding of the primacy and the importance of scripture in the life of a follower of Jesus. And so David is restored to life by the power of God, and now he must grow in that life. So beyond the dramatic encounters with God is the life of discipleship. Matter of fact, the prophet Isaiah suggests that the goal of spiritual renewal is not merely to rise on wings as eagles or to run without weariness. The real goal is to walk and not faint, according to Isaiah 40, 31. This is walking the road to maturity. While David's desire is to give himself wholly to God, at the same time, he continues to know his weaknesses. And so he doesn't trust his commitments. Rather, he trusts the God to whom he is committed. And so as God continues to teach him in a life of discipleship, he also knows his heart must be renewed again and again. You see, we cannot live on yesterday's manna. We cannot draw on the currency of past spiritual experiences in order to substitute for a vital walk with God today. You see, a good beginning ought to lead to a good ending. And ending well is the consequence and the result of living well. So let's see here this, this trust that David has. First of all, we see that David trusts God in his truth. David trusts God in God's truth. Truth triumphs emotions and feelings. It, it, it triumphs anything that we can think of. As a matter of fact, mine and your feelings are not substantial enough to negate the truth of God's word. And so David says here, Lord, teach me the meaning of your statutes. The word statutes literally refers to something that is engraved. It, it refers here to the fixed nature of God's will. It must be taught to us. You say we need understanding. We need a renewing of our mind in order to cleanse the false thinking that slips in to our thought processes. And so David says to Lord, lead me, give me an understanding, help me to walk in your way. Not just the principle, not just to, to say, hey, I, I know this truth, but the application to live it out. You see, we tell athletes all the time that your talent can take you where your character cannot sustain you. And so we must grow in God's truth. Well, to grow in God's truth, we must understand it. And that is what David is praying here. He's God, I trust you. I trust in your truth. And so he says, help me to, to understand, teach me to obey, to observe, to, to literally to do it, to put it into practice. You see, knowledge without action is really no knowledge, no commitment at all. In, in a spiritual sense, in a, in a faith sense, we would say that knowledge without action is really just practical atheism. And so David says, help me to, to do it. Help me to put it into practice, right? And so he says that I will do it with all of my heart, without reservation. The frequency of repetition shows the importance of an undivided love. Understanding convinces the heart of the beauty of God's truth, that the soul loves with all of its power, loves God and loves his truth with all of our being. 
So how do, how do we know if it's true? Well, not if it sounds good, but if it matches the scriptures, right? There is a reality. There is an absolute truth. God is the absolute moral giver, and all truth is God's truth. So how do we, how do we understand if something is true? Well, not if it just sounds good or if it makes us feel good, but rather does it match the reality of the truth that is revealed in the scriptures? Because if it's new, it's probably not true. And if it's true, it's not new. Most of us don't need more truth. We only need to start obeying the truth that we already have and that we already know. You see, it's not the truth that we know that changes us. It's the truth that we obey. And so we speak here then of faith, of believing God and acting and trusting on God's truth and in his will and in his word. You see, holiness is not emotions or moralism. Rather, it's knowing what God has done and then living and trusting him in it. And so we have to ask this question, has God renewed our minds through Christ? And if he has, then shouldn't we think that way, right? Should we not be wise to build our lives upon God's truth? So we trust God in his truth. That's what David is saying. Teach me, Lord, the meaning of your statutes, and I will always keep them. Help me understand your instruction, and I will obey it and follow with all of my heart. So may our prayer, might our desire to be that same way, to trust the old hymn, Trust and Obey, weaves these two understandings together. To trust God is to obey God. You see, obedience reflects trust, just like a kid who jumps into a swimming pool. When my kids were younger, I was trying to get them to gain the confidence to, to jump into the, to the water. They would stand on the edge, and they would want to jump in, and I would say, hey, jump in. I'll catch you. And so they would jump into the water because they knew that they could trust me. And so what is it that God is asking you to trust him with? Well, what possibly could be hindering you in light of God's truth, in light of God's goodness, in light of God's authority, and in light of God's promises? God is calling us to trust, and might we be, and would we trust, just like David does here, teach me, Lord, the meaning of your statutes, and I will keep them. Help me to understand your instruction, and I will obey it and follow it with all of my heart. Let me pray for us this morning. So, Father in heaven, in Jesus' name, we thank you for this day. Lord, I pray that you would help us to walk in faithful trust and obedience to you. Lord, I pray that you would help us to understand your truth, help us to know more about you. And Father, in our lives, in our marriages, in our families, in our work environments, in every relationship that we have, that we would trust and obey and live for you. In Jesus' name, amen. And you're listening to Running the Race, where we're helping you run well and finish strong in the race of faith. I'm honored to have as our conversation guest today, Coach Chad Simmons. Coach Simmons is the head football coach at Veterans High School in Kathleen, Georgia. And so, Coach Simmons, good morning, and thank you for joining us in the conversation about faith and sports today. Good morning, Michael. Great to be with you guys this morning. Well, uh, listen, let's let's do this because our listeners made a little bit of context for, for several things. Uh, Veterans High School, Kathleen, Georgia. Give us a little geography. How will our listeners find Veterans High School? Well, if you're familiar with, with Houston County, Warner Robins, all, we've got Warner Robins High School and Northside High School, which both teams through the last 20 or 30 years have been nationally ranked. Um, two, two programs that have been at times national powers. Um, and so those schools have been in our county for a long time. But because of the growth of the county, Michael, um, Veterans uh, Houston County High School was built uh, in the late 90s, and that was south of Warner Robins. That was probably in the middle of the county. And even further south and almost really kind of southwest into the county is Veterans High School. So we're kind of we're kind of rural out all by ourselves. Very good. Yep. So right up Interstate 75, right in the middle of the state, uh, 
Warner Robins, Perry, and Kathleen's right in between those two spots. So uh, that if, if you're traveling up 75, you can find Veterans High School there in Houston County. So, Coach, let's do this. Why don't you take just a couple of moments, introduce yourself, share a little bit about you, uh, where you're from, kind of family background, that kind of thing, and uh, introduce yourself to our listeners. Yeah, uh, I've been in coaching and teaching um, for 20, 21 years, um, married to the most incredible woman in the world, Jenny Simmons. She and I have been married for 19 years. Uh, we have three children. We have a 15-year-old son named Ty. We have a 13-year-old daughter named Lydia Ruth, and we have a 9-year-old son named Hudson. And and obviously coaching, you know, Michael, we're, we're a lot like probably a lot of coaching families. The, the job has taken us around the state of Georgia. You know, we've probably coached in six or seven different places over that period of time. And uh, we've always tried to, to do our very best to, to, to be faithful when God moved us and uh, always saw the Lord for opportunities, you know, uh, and, and he's always provided. And so we've come back to the middle Georgia area since 2016. This is kind of home. We've, we've kind of put down roots here and we love this area and it's kind of close to her family. So um, that, that's a little bit of my background right there. Very good. Now, did you grow up playing sports? I did. I did. I started playing uh, baseball probably when I was three or four years old um, and uh, started playing football, I guess, when maybe seven, eight years old. Uh, those were the two sports that I played, you know, growing up. Um, played baseball all the way into uh, college and uh, played football until uh, my sophomore year of high school. I tore my my left ACL and missed a, missed a season um, rehabbing my knee and came back and had a really good spring in baseball and, and started getting, uh, you know, some attention from a recruiting standpoint in baseball. And so finished out my high school career just playing baseball. That's probably one of my regrets, Michael, is not going back and playing my last two years of high school football. But those were my two sports growing up. Those are the ones that I love the most. But – other than that, we were just outside the yard playing ball growing up. You know what I mean? Yeah. I tell people all the time that uh, we, when I was growing up, we, we played, uh, you know, football till it was basketball season and basketball till it was baseball season and baseball until it was summertime. And in the summer, we went fishing. And so, uh, yeah, I mean, yeah. it really was kind of a, a simple a simple time. We were multi-sport, uh, you know, players or athletes growing up, but we just played one season to the next and then uh, in, enjoyed the summer. So a lot different oh, from they, the yeah, they, yeah, a lot different from the year-round situation that you find yourselves in now. Oh, no doubt about <laughs> it. I couldn't agree with you more. I mean, even if we didn't play basketball on teams and, and, and things like that, my, my buddies and I played, you know, and you're right, I mean, whatever season it was, we were playing that sport. I mean, in the summertime, we'd go out and play wiffle ball for two or three hours. You know what I mean? <laughs> yes. Yes. I can't tell you how many backyard baseball games we played. We know one-on-one. We have an all-time catcher who was catcher umpire. Yeah. And you play pitcher first, second, center field, what, <laughs> whatever you could do. So, you know. That's right. Well, so, Coach, let's bring in the other side of this uh, equation, which is uh, the faith element. And, Cher, uh, uh, how did you come to faith in Jesus? Well, uh I, I can't give you my whole story because we don't have time, but uh, my dad left before I was, was born, so I, I never met him. Um, my mom, uh, who was still in my life, gave me up for adoption to my grandparents. Um, that happened when I was probably about 10 years old. So from birth to 10, just, just a lot of moving around back and forth between my grandparents and my mom and and uh, when my grandparents finally did adopt me and I finally did live with them, 
they were church attenders. And so at that, from that point forward, pretty much grew up going to church. Um, but, but man, just, just headlong into sin, um, starting at probably 10 or 11 years old. And, uh, no, no real compass. Really, sports was the avenue by which I functioned. Uh, it, and so, fast forward a little bit through high school, um, pl- played the game, uh, was in the youth group, uh, said all the right things, uh, but was living a double life. Uh, I was living headlong into sin. Uh, as a matter of fact, uh, probably one of the most embarrassing moments of, of my, my high school career was my senior year. I actually got the FCA award for our school, um, and, 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 the, and and they did it in front of the whole school. It was one of those uh, one of those programs and banquets in front of the school. And, man, I, I was as far away from the Lord as I, as I could be. Did, didn't know Jesus. I had a form of religion, kind of like Nicodemus, you know, when, 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 he, comes to, when he comes to Jesus in, in, uh, in John chapter 3. But, so I saw that to say that um, 21 years old, I'd gone to Georgia Southwestern to play baseball. I transferred there. And a center fielder named Pete Snyder, and I played center field, about the 10 minutes into the first practice, he and I are talking, and he starts talking about Jesus. And I'm thinking, man, how in the world can I get away from this guy? I've got to spend five hours a day out here in center field <laughs> listening to this guy talk about Jesus. And, uh, and I was living in sin, but by that point, I'd gotten so sick of that sinful lifestyle. Um, and, and because I'd been raised in church, I, the Lord had constantly kept me under some form of conviction, but man, God started working on me. Well, about the time Pete Snyder came into my life on the baseball team, two guys started knocking on my door. Lee Sullins and and, um, and Tony uh, Tony Taylor started knocking on my door, and and I mean, we lived in an apartment off campus. They started knocking on the door, and they want to talk to us about a man named Jesus. And so it seemed like everywhere I turned, uh, man, it was Jesus. And and man, I got broken over my sin. Uh, wasn't too long after that that I, man, I looked up. We had gone to a Christian concert. These guys invited me to a Christian concert, and the concert shut down. Uh, the uh, electrical problem. They didn't have generators ready. So in the middle of the concert, they sent people out to the parking lot to hang out. And, man, I, I was so broken that I got out behind the car, laid my face on the ground behind the car in, in, in a grass parking lot and begged Jesus to save my soul. And so when I got up off the ground at 21, Michael, I was a new creation, man. Mm. Wow. Now, l- listen, let's flesh this out just a little bit for our listeners. When, when you talk about being under conviction, you, you to use your words, you were living headlong into into sin. I mean, sin is fun for, for a season, uh, but this conviction, what, what, what was that like? I mean, if our listeners... How would they know if they were? How, how what would it be like if they were under this conviction that you're talking about? You know, for for me, Michael, it was it was no matter what I did, um, I, I, that, that whether it was an hour later, ten minutes later, or the next morning, I I just I just had this awful feeling, and 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 and, and whether whether I was out on a Friday night drinking, or whether I was was whatever whatever sin that I was into. Um, even doing it, 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 it just had a miserable feel to it. And, and, and post doing it, it, it just, you just had this really, really terrible, nasty feeling like this, this can't be all there is to life. You know, you, mm. you know, you're right. I mean, the Bible says it's, it's pleasure for a season. And really there comes a point when those seasons end and, and then you're, you're just tied to the sin and then you get all the consequences from it, but the pleasure is gone. 
that's where I felt like I was. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. So let's talk about coaching for just a minute now. How, how did you get into coaching? Well, I came home my freshman year from college. I was a first-generation college student. Nobody in my family had ever gone to college before that I knew of. When I say first-generation, as far as I could see in the family tree on both sides, there had not been a college student. So I, first-generation college student, get to college, have no idea what I want to major in. I signed up with a Mercer University out of high school. And uh, so I chose sociology, had no idea what that meant. Um, Came home after my freshman year of college coached an 11 and 12 year old baseball team in our recreation department and michael i fell in love i mean just the relationships the dynamic of coaching and teaching kids and uh and then that was obviously i was not saying i was only 19 but that was a part of god's sovereignty uh working good for me when, when i didn't have any idea what was going on because he was steering me in the direction he wanted me to go even before i even knew him yeah. Now you mentioned about relationships and, and the, the relationship between the coach and the players and that being kind of what grabs your heart to a certain degree. What is it about that coach player relationship that makes it such an influential relationship? You know, for me, I, I, I think it's, I think it's everything that coaches and players do together. You know, a lot of people, you know, we live in a sports crazy town, uh, which is awesome, but we also live in a sports crazy country. And what a lot of people see to me, Michael, is they see the Friday nights or they see the, the Tuesday nights. They, they, see the, they see the game atmosphere. But what I think makes coaching altogether different is for us in football, like, man, it's the weightlifting every day. I mean, it's, it's being in the grind with those kids. It's, it's, the, it's the culture stuff that we go over with them all the time. It's the Bible verses we read to them. It's, it's the times that we pray with them. It's, it's – uh, it's the grind. It's on the practice field when it's really, really hot, and nobody's out there but coaches and players. I mean, those are you kind of forge uh, a type of a relationship to me. This, this, this really unique to anything that anybody else might do. You know, from a professional standpoint. You know, the only thing I can liken it to is serving Jesus and being a minister the last twenty six years. It's very, it's a very similar dynamic. People that that love Jesus, that get into ministry, that really minister the gospel. It's, it's a type of relationship that you forge that's altogether different. Yeah, and at its base, that's what ministry is, is, is about relationships. And so the, the, the opportunity to uh, influence for Christ through that relationship. Our conversation guest this morning on Running the Race is Coach Chad Simmons, the head football coach at Veterans High School in Kathleen, Georgia. And so, Coach, let me ask this. Now we're going to intersect these two things, coaching and your faith. And so how, how does your faith, as a follower of Jesus, how does your faith influence your coaching? Man, Michael, it, 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 honestly, it affects everything. Um, it's it's it, it drives every decision that we make. Uh, it drives uh, it drives everything that we do. Uh, we we're in a great place. We we have great support around us. Um, you know, from our, our administration, our administration is credible. Our board our board of education here is incredible, and uh, and so we use every opportunity. We have multiple uh, FCA guys here own staff and Warner Robins that have complete access to our football team. Uh, Jim Perdue, my pastor at Second Baptist Church, he's our character coach. He has total access to our football team. Yeah, I mean he, you know he he does stuff on Friday with them pregame. Um, he's at practices. He's on the sideline. I mean when I say he has complete access, um, we just have we have godly men uh, who love Jesus who who invest in our program. And, uh, and God's given us uh, a coaching staff full of guys um, that, that love the Lord. And so every decision we make 
the first thing that we talk about is, man, you know, how, how can we point our kids to Jesus, and how can how can the things that we do help them to be, to be the very best they can be? How can we develop these guys the most? Yeah, and ultimately we we're talking about how to how to influence them for Christ and how to help them grow in character development. And of course, the Fellowship of Christian Athletes is uh, is a club on a school campus, just like any other club. And people ask me, well, how do, how does FCA get to be on a public school campus? Well, by the Equal Access Law, uh, FCA is is there. It's just like the Math Club or the Science Club. It is student led and it is faculty sponsored. And so uh, FCA is is on campus uh, as a, as a club, just like any other club. And uh, by God's graciousness, we uh, have an opportunity to serve coaches and to serve the players and the athletes. And, Coach, we appreciate those those opportunities. Now, listen, you mentioned uh, at the beginning, 19 years married. You've got a family with, uh, with three children. And so how do you handle the demands of coaching with the responsibilities of a family? Yeah, that's a great question. And, guys, in this profession, I love the place. This is, this is one of the greatest uh, – one of the greatest struggles uh, of the profession because um, coaches, coaches uh, that that really want to do things right, uh, it requires a huge demand on your time, and and there's so there's a lot of guys that that really struggle with the balance between coaching ball and, and, and your married life and your children. So kind of kind of one of our answers is Michael is we. We decided uh, years ago, my wife and I decided that this is what God called me to, then he called the whole family to it. Mm. Um, and so much like a pastor being called to, to lead a church, you know, when a pastor's called to lead a church, his wife and his family are called uh, to that place as well. And so what we've tried to do is we've tried to make my family be totally involved in everything they possibly can be. Like if we're feeding our players, if we're feeding the team on Monday nights, then my family's going to be there. My wife's going to be one of the motivated moms. She's going to, she's going to be passing out the food. My daughter, she's going to be, she's going to be, uh, she's going to be there making plates and serving our players. You know, my sons are going to be eating or running around. You know, hanging out with the football guys. And if it's Thursday night and the coaches' son's going out to eat Mexican on, on Thursday night, then then everybody's going. We have tried to build a culture, not just for me and my family, but on our staff. You know that our families are involved in everything they possibly can be involved in. Our wives will come up on Sundays and they'll make banners and posters at, at, at times uh, for our kids to hang them up in the locker rooms. And we just we just tried to foster the environment where our families are welcome. If this is summer football workout, you may see our sons tackling dummies off to the side, uh, standing right next to me in the middle of a drill. Obviously, we don't allow any profanity in our program for players or coaches. Um, and so there's never a time when our family can't be around this program. There's never a moment that our family can't be there. They can be standing beside me doing inside drill. They can be standing beside me in the weight room. You know, we're going to get after it. We're going to work hard. We've got a standard of excellence. But there's never going to be a time that we're going to use profanity. We're not going to be derogatory towards kids where it becomes personal. So we try to create an environment for our families to be able to be involved, you know. Yeah, and that makes such a such a huge difference, right? So that your your kids don't see uh, what you do, your 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 children don't see what you do as taking dad away, but rather it provides an opportunity for them to do something together as a family. I, coach, I, I I absolutely love that. I wish we could, I wish we could convince more coaches to see the value of doing this together as a family. Oh, absolutely. There's no doubt about it because you know you know this, Michael. You know you served in FCA and. 
you've been around coaches for, you know, however many years you've done this. But, you know, football coaches, I mean, in the season, it's, it's 70, 80, 90 hours a week. And so right. we've got to be creative and how to involve our families. Yep, no doubt about it. Now, on the flip side of that, that's a lot of work. You're talking about summer workouts that, uh, that you're moving into now. Uh, and then it is the grind. You were talking about being in the grind together with the players. So you're competing. Obviously, we want to win games. We want to win championships. Uh, but how do you keep this game fun? I mean, at some point, uh, guys fell in love with playing a game. At, the, at its base, all sport is a game. So how do you keep the game fun for the players and the coaches while working toward competing at a high level? Yeah, that's a great question. That's something that we discuss all the time as a staff uh, because we require so much of our kids, you know, and, and, and coaching staffs do now. You know, by the time you look at, you know, we lift Monday through Friday. Uh, they're in at 8 o'clock in the morning. This is during the summer. They're in at 8 o'clock in the morning, and they don't leave us until usually about lunchtime. We lift weights. We run. Uh, we, we do film work. Um, we go back out and do an 18-period practice in helmets. And so – there's never a time when they're off other than Christmas holidays or spring break. I mean, they're never really off. And so, you know, we have to we have to find ways to make it fun for them. But, again, to us, that goes back to, to the relationship building. You know, when, when you're in your room and you're the HVACs coach, you want to teach them how to, how, how to block the kick out, how to block the power, how to block this, how to block that. But more than that, man, you've got to build a culture in that room. You've got to invest in their life. And and, uh, and and we, I think we found through the years that the deeper the relationships are, then, 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 then the better the program is. And so that's one way we focus on. Another way is, is that is that we make it more than about football, Michael. I mean, for us, ultimately, you know, it's it's about you following Jesus, and it's about you being a great husband and a great father and making an impact uh, for him for him and in, in, in maximizing what God's given you for the rest of your life. And so. We try to hit so much more than just football with our kids. And I think that, again, goes back to that relationship piece that you, you mentioned earlier that's so important. So, Coach, you've been in this grind, as you call it, 21 years. If you could go back and talk to the young, the first, the first starting Chad Simmons, if you could go back and talk to those coaches that are just getting started, what's one encouragement that you would give those new coaches? Probably the thing I would tell young coaches, uh, if I could go back, is is to to be be patient um, and and grow where you are, mm. you know, bloom where you're planted. I think we live now in a it's cultural. I don't think it's I don't think it's just one place, but but I think a lot of times we feel like the grass is greener. Um, I, I would say be patient and and, and bloom where you're planted. And grow in your walk with Christ, and grow on your coaching staff. Now, can God move you? Absolutely. I mean, God biblically, God moves people all the time. God's moved us many, many, many times. But um, I, I was blessed to be under Robbie Pruitt uh, in 1999. He came out of Union County, Florida. He won seven state championships. Um, that was important for me to get with a man number one that loved the Lord. And number two was an incredible football coach. And I, I had to be patient and sit under that coaching staff. Uh, and, and was able to do that for four or five years before I made my next move. And so that's probably the thing that I would tell young coaches. And then what you said, I guess if there's another thing, it would be, man, don't ever sacrifice your marriage and your children uh, for, for this profession. Yeah, man, what a great, great word. Well, Coach Simmons, listen, before I let you get going this morning, we're going to put you through what we call our lightning round. And so I'm going to ask you your favorite something or other or give you a couple of options, and you just respond with the first thing that comes to mind, okay? 
Sounds good. All right, very good. Uh, what's your favorite number? Two. Your favorite cartoon character? Bugs Bunny. Would you rather read a book or watch a movie? Ooh, read a book. The beach or the mountains? The mountains. Now, if you're going to play a round of golf and you can only pick one club to play the entire round with, what club are you choosing? <laughs> Ooh, man, that's tough. Probably a three-wood. What's one place that you've always wanted to visit? I've always wanted to go to, to Texas. And when I say Texas, it's a big state, but I've always wanted to go to parts of Texas. All right. Very, very good. Well, Coach Simmons, thank you for taking the time to join us this morning. Thank you for how you were living and leading and serving at Veterans High School there in Kathleen, Georgia. And uh, best wishes in this summer season and your upcoming season in the fall. Thank you so much, brother. It's been a, been a blast. FCA's mission is to see the world transformed by Jesus Christ through the influence of coaches and athletes. And it's coaches like Coach Simmons who are serving on the front lines of influencing the next generation. And in the world of the Fellowship of Christian Athletes, we ask, well, who's there to influence the coach? Who's there to be their source of encouragement? And that's where the Fellowship of Christian Athletes comes along. And that's where FCA and our coaches need you on their team through the ministry and the organization of the Fellowship of Christian Athletes. I would love to talk with you about how you can volunteer to serve right here in your community as an FCA volunteer. So if you go online to volushaflaglerfca.org. That's volushaflaglerfca.org. Click on the contact button and send me, Michael Sowall, an email. I would love to connect with you and help you to understand how you can use your life to serve right here in our community. Well, listen, thank you for taking the time to join us this morning for Running the Race. We hope you have a great week and look forward to getting together next Sunday for Running the Race, where we're helping you to run well and finish strong in the race of faith.